0: This is Feed Play Love, a podcast especially for the parents and carers of small children. I'm your host, Siobhan Hunt. Over the years, I've spoken to some really interesting people about parenting, and this next interview is one from our collection. I hope you enjoy it. Before you became a parent, chances are you would have known our next guest through her acting career in shows like Home and Away, All Saints and Love My Way. After having children, you'll know her through her work on Play School and through her music. Think songs like Watermelon, I Like to Sing, and Dinosaur Roar. I am, of course, speaking about Justine Clarke, the actor, musician, and author loved by parents and children alike. Hi, Justine. Welcome to Kindling Conversation. Oh, thanks for having me. Congratulations on your new album, Pajama Jam, your fifth, I understand. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what it was like writing this album? I mean, particularly with three kids, do you work from home or do you run to a studio and lock the door?
1: No, I dream of running to a studio and locking the door, (laughs) but that's never going to happen. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I I think about it, I think, how could that happen in my life? No. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: Move on. Um, We had been – I have two writing partners and we had been, you know, kicking around the idea of a, a lullabies album for actually about three years. And back and forth, sort of writing. So I, I write on Skype, which I, I actually think is a great, a great way to write because you can stay in your pajamas, but you're still <laughs> collaborating. And I don't know. I think there's a certain freedom in not actually being in the room with somebody, but being able to see them. So you're still connected to them, but you're not. You know, you're not going to offend them so much. You know, not in
0: each other's space.
1: Yeah. So I, I found it very productive actually. I've written a lot. So my main um, writing partner lives in New Zealand.
0: And um, we Skype regularly, you know. And, and do your kids know when you're on Skype to leave mum alone? Well, usually I don't. I usually do it when they're, when they're out of the house because otherwise
1: they want to come in and have a chat and, you know, or it's noisy or whatever. <laughs> I just can't, it's not going to work like that. So, yeah, it's usually when they're when they're not there. So that's really it. And, you know, I just find a little corner.
0: It's <laughs> just a little spot bunker down somewhere. somewhere. Put a blanket over you. You can't see me. I mean, how does that change um, in your creativity? Because you've been doing music throughout your career and before children, as we all know, life is very different. Creatively, that does that mean like you know, once upon a time you might have had an idea or wanted to write a lyric, and you could just sit down and do it. Are you having to control your creativity in a way you didn't before?
1: Yes, and and funnily enough, I've been I've been more productive creatively since I've had children. I think I've realised that I need a deadline. Actually, you know, and that there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing sort of uncool about having a deadline, um, <laughs> you know. Or, or there's it's it's actually that's the, the sort of the stress and the pressure of that that actually kind of pushes out an idea and forms an idea properly, and then. Um, you know, you then you can then you can move on and, and do more. So in that way, I've been a lot more prolific, and I've had a reason to finish things, whether it be, you know, to put food on on the table or to finish something before the kids get home because I've only got a certain amount of time to do it. And this is my only chance for this kind of outlet, and I really want to produce something from it, whatever it is. It's given me, um, it's given me motivation. I think that I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have. Before I didn't have a, a reason to do it. I, I, I liked doing it, but I would often question why I was doing it. Yep. And that, that would take over a lot more from the, actually just the enjoyment of creating something. So, you know, I'm, I'm so pleased I had, had children, you know,
0: selfishly <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> be more productive. Yeah. That's, that's great. <laughs> and what about touring? You're about to start an Australia-wide tour with this album. Do you ever take your family on the road with you? And And what's that like? Because I'm assuming that your kids are at school, so you can't always have them with you. What's it like touring with a family? Um, Well, two are now in high school, so we can't tour the way that we
1: have in the past, but they have come on the road quite a a lot with me, particularly early on when I did more regional touring, which I don't tend to do now. I I really only do capital cities just because of, you know, basically because of family. But when, when we were... Um, regionally touring and it was in the holidays, which it often is, um, they would come on the road and um, they would, you know, work at the merch <laughs> at the merch desk <laughs> awesome. or, you know, there was one show where um, at one point in the show there were four bubble machines that would come on and Nina, who was then probably five or six, <laughs> she was in charge of turning on the bubble machine. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so they've they've always been a part of the shows in some, you know, in, in, in some way and being in a bus, like a, a tour bus, it's actually, it's really fun. You know, we do the quiz with the, with the band yep. and, you know, Nina would read out the questions and, yeah, Joe really loves working in, in any capacity, whether it's backstage or, you know, at the merch. Desk is it or part of their
0: pocket money? Yes, they do get, they get paid. Like, if, they oh, work, if they work well, they do. Yeah, nice one. I like that. <laughs> um, and so do they get a say in your tour rider? <laughs> and what what is it actually like? Imagining it's a bit different It's really different. Kanye.
1: Yeah, it's really different. And if you really want to know, it's nuts. <laughs> yeah, nuts. It's nuts and fruit and tea. There has to be tea. And
0: usually... No tea. Justine Clark is not getting out of bed. I, ca- I can't. No.
1: But usually um, we bring it ourselves. There's no rider. Um, there's no rider. <laughs> no it's well, not writer I've got a to speak to your management. Something's <laughs>
0: got to change there. Look, Kindling's philosophy about music for kids is that it, it just needs to be good. It doesn't need to be simple, repetitive or boring. And it feels like you have that same approach in your music. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think kids have a, an innate sense of good music, you know. They're, I think they're natural musicians and they, na- they naturally connect to it and it doesn't have to be, it definitely doesn't have to be children's music for them to like it at all. In fact, I think that, you know, a pop song, a three-minute pop song is just perfect for kids it's just just the right length it's got a great structure to my kids I play them all all kinds of music but I think it's a really good time
0: to expose kids to a whole lot of different kinds of music which actually brings me to my next question and that is do you still sing to your kids I know probably not the teenagers they might be telling you to shut up Um, but when they were younger did you sing to them and how many of your songs on your albums are inspired by your own children? Probably this latest one is inspired by my own
1: children probably the most, I think, because it is a lullaby album, and that really was the time when I would sing to my kids more than any other time. We never had any, you know, proper sleeping routines, um, so it was really just whatever works. When you're in bed, if I sing to you. Yeah, and if I'm here and I'm singing and it's dark and eventually you will go to sleep because, you you know, eventually you will. And at least I'm I'm occupied doing something I like too.
0: Exactly, exactly. And have they ever said, I'll I'll never forget my mum who – has sung to all of our kids. So there's three kids in my family. She's looked after all of our kids and sung them all to sleep. And she always sings them um, rock and roll and ride and, I don't know, Morning Town Train, yeah, Morning Town ride. right? Yeah. So uh, Morning Town Ride. And mm. she has sung that all the time to all of them. And it made me very nostalgic. And then she told me this really funny story about how my niece one night when she was singing to her, rolled over and said to her, Nana, stop singing. I don't want that song anymore. <laughs> <laughs> have, have your kids ever actually said, Mum? I'm over it. I don't want watermelon anymore. Not that that's a sleeping song. No, numerous times, particularly my
1: youngest. No, my youngest does not want to hear me sing. But a lot of them, a lot of the time, I think for them singing for me was, was often about me being away from them. So, and I don't know, kids have a kind of, I don't know, perverse sort of pleasure in like stopping you from singing. I don't know what it is, but it seems very common and, and. They they want to stop you from doing something that they can see is quite pleasurable to you. <laughs> I don't understand it. But they've all done it to me. They all have. of them. You oh. know, at various at various times. But actually now my my daughter uh is learning the piano and she's learning to accompany herself on the piano and um sometimes she'll sing an old try I'll sing with her, just quietly, sing And she doesn't. She doesn't tell me to stop. Oh, so, nice. So that's good. I try and sing a little harmony just just so she'll she might get the idea of, you know, how to stay on your melody if someone's singing a harmony. She's never told me to start with
0: that. Oh, good one. That's, good one. that's nice. <laughs> You're also releasing a book and a CD accompanying that book based around the song, A, hey, You're Adorable. I'm talking a lot about my mum in this interview. I'm not quite sure why, but she also sang that song and I love it. I always get lost when I get up to E, mm. excitable or something. It, it's quite an old song. Mm, How yeah. did you come to it and have I got any chance of getting you to sing a little bit of it? Sure. Try stopping me.
1: So it's an it's an alphabet song and um and it's also a love song and it goes like this: A, you're adorable. B, you're so beautiful. C, you're a cutie full of charms. D, you're a darling and E, you're exciting and F, you're a feather in my arms. And on and on it goes. Oh, that's gorgeous. Yeah,
0: <laughs> no, I don't sing it like that.
1: I, I I think um I think. The thing I love about this song, apart from the fact that it was apparently the first song I ever sung as a child, but I just love the idea that there are so many songs out there that are romantic. You know, they're love songs, but they're songs that you want to sing particularly to your baby. And this was, this is one that I, yeah, I sang to my babies as well. And I just wanted, I just wanted to put another alphabet song out there that was um, not as dry maybe as some of the others.
0: Oh, it's gorgeous. (laughs) It's It's so lovely. lovely. Do you ever sing songs now that make you cry? Because I've noticed that it's ridiculous songs that I would no, never even think would make me cry but they're just, something in them triggers me to feel nostalgic about my children, especially growing up or, you know, thinking about them when they were little babies. Have you ever had a moment, even on stage, where a song has made you get emotional? Oh, I, I'm, so many songs make me
1: emotional. Music, I think, connects to... sort of primal part of us and and to our heart it speaks in another language and I think there are so many times particularly after you have kids where you where you just feel I I don't know quite vulnerable I suppose about your children but also about your parents and I don't know it's it just just triggers something I think as as an actor too it's kind of opened up a whole other area of of my kind of range I guess because I have a kind of a more empathy towards
0: than I did before it's interesting you say that because one of the latest roles that you've played in time of our lives is um, a stepmother with her own children and dealing with so with what a lot of families deal with these days which is um, different kinds of makeups for families what was it like playing that role and having to empathize with such a complex situation mm. well Bernadette was you know she's quite Quite evolved in that in that way. Um, She's and- very. Evolved. I was watching that going. Mm. It's just like that, too. Mm. She's evolved as Bernadette because mm. I'm believing she is. Yeah, well, that's good. That's good <laughs> acting then. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: look, that was just great, and I think I mean I I missed that show. I think there I mean there's there's other sh- there's other great shows on TV that do reflect sort of modern family life, but I really thought that one just dealt with you know the everyday issues that we face that for us are really
0: vital and really important. And to see that reflected on television is really helpful. Particularly the challenges, I think that's one thing parents often feel they're dealing with it on their own that um, I never forget there was a scene where you're trying to get the kids the twins to bed and they wouldn't I think it was something like they wanted to wear this women costume to bed yes. and you ask someone to help and I was I remember watching that going those writers mm. and actors have children they know what's going on and it is it just the chaos of having a family it was quite nice to see that Actually, yeah I think it's important
1: to see that reflected And to know that it's normal, yeah, because you do feel isolated as a parent. You do feel like you're on your own, strangely enough, when you know there are so many other people out there, but you, you know, you're obviously housebound and you're tired and you know, you want to do the right thing but
0: you find yourself screaming at
1: them and you think, How did I how did I get here? Am I the only one that does this? <laughs> yes. Is this a wrong? friend of
0: mine said she'd shut the windows before she'd scream at a kid <laughs> so the neighbours wouldn't be too judging. Well, I've
1: been I've been at a swimming pool and been recognised for being a play school presenter and trying to get my kids out of the pool. Oh, no. You know? <laughs> trying you know trying not to lose it. <laughs> get out of the pool, now,
0: you know. You can see people looking at me. Anyway. <gasps> That's just <Clark>. so <laughs> Oh, we better write to the telly. Yeah. Um, so speaking of Play School, what do you love about working on that show? Because you've been with them for over a decade now, right? Yeah, 15 years actually. Wow. Yeah, um, which is a
1: long time for me, uh, you know, in terms of commitment to any one thing apart from my my marriage, <laughs> 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 which I'm also quite proud of. <laughs> um well, I, I think it's it's history. So the fact that it's generational and that it, it's turning fifty next year, and so I think for a big part for me was, I think standing on the shoulder of giants. So people like Noni Hazelhurst and John Hamblin and Don Spencer and John Waters and people that I grew up watching as a as a kid and then as a young actor watching these amazing performers and and even then knowing what skill was involved in it and and how entertaining they were for half, you know for a whole half hour and how I knew it wasn't a show for me I was 10 11 12 but I was I was still drawn to it in some way and a lot of it had to do with their great storytelling skills their great performance skills so I think I learned a lot from them as a young as a young actor so to be in their company and to be part of the same contribution i suppose to the cultural life of of australia is that means a lot to me i think it is a really important show i think it it tackles all kinds of you know of issues and it treats children as as complex beings and um it doesn't talk down to them and as beings that are capable of doing everything and it's not about sort of teaching them to do things it's about reinforcing what they what they can do and, and and about them being part of a community and um Yeah, I'm I'm enormously proud of it as a program, and its worth is
0: it's vital. I think I really do. And what's the challenges? Because I think you touched on a few things there that I think when parents watch the program, they might think it's really straightforward. As a a journalist myself, looking at it, I think, oh my god, I don't know how they manage to keep such amazing eye contact. It really looks like they're looking at you and at the children and they're engaging I mean what are the challenges about working on a program like that
1: well you have to learn it you have to learn half an hour of of um script so you know it's up to 30 pages of dialogue if it's a red story you know where you sit in the story chair and you tell a story you you get the episode and you go oh my god I've got my five pages where I can actually just read a book this is good and then but then you know you're gonna have to learn you know, pages and pages of dialogue. So you really have to learn it as if it's, it's, dr- it's a drama. So then you really are trying to connect with that person at home. You know, that's kind of the key to it is that there's no auto cue. There's people are kind of, it's in their bodies and it's been rehearsed
0: and it's been learnt so that it can be performed. Yeah. Well, thank you from all the parents because it is such a great program. So you're incredibly diverse. You're an author, an actor, musician, but all of these jobs... Um, are classified as freelance and while now everyone knows and loves you and um, I imagine that um, the tours are that people will be going to them and looking forward to them, all of that sort of thing, but your partner is also an actor and once upon a time you wouldn't have had that kind of guarantee that people were going to come to your shows, that sort of thing. How challenging is it to manage two freelance careers effectively, two creative freelance careers and having a family? It's not just having your babies and that really intense period when they're little. They grow and have other requirements, um, yes. financial as well as emotional. How did you manage that? Um, well, I think it's it's a little bit make it up as you go along,
1: um, because like you say, they do their needs do change, particularly in high school, and it becomes a lot more uh, about travel arrangements and being there for them before school and being there for them after school and making sure they're in their homework routine and so I feel very lucky in that sense that I that I am freelance because I I can shape my work around what they're doing which is great Um, the flip side of that is it doesn't matter how from the outside how successful someone looks you need to maintain that sort of level of work, you know, and the only way to maintain it is to keep working. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's a, it's it is a, it's a cliche, but it is a juggle. It really is, and it's about talking a lot to your partner. It's about scheduling, and then also for me because I'm terrible time at time management, just dreadful at <laughs> it. Um, so, I'm kind of constantly learning how to how to get better at it, how, how to it, manage
0: time, how to manage
1: time well. You know. Yeah. And also, I don't really want to manage time well. I don't want to live my life trying to manage my time. I just, I don't want to be like that. So I think I fight with it. I fight with it all the time. But, you know, yesterday uh, I picked up my son. You know, I was able to go to my son's swimming lesson after school. And on the days when you feel like it's hard, you know, it's really hard work to kind of maintain that. So, you know, I go, well, here I am. I'm watching his swimming lesson. Just watch it and enjoy it because, you know, if you were nine to five, you may you would have holidays, yes, but you might not be here now. So just enjoy where you are in the moment. And I think that's a big lesson for me, is to just stay where I am and say, Okay, I'm doing okay and this is this is a good is a good thing, because yeah.
0: otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to yeah. that. And look, finally, this, is, this one's a little bit cheeky, but I have to ask because I put out the question to my friends on Facebook because I do have lots of friends who love you. And I said, I'm, I'm speaking with Justine tomorrow. Does anyone have a question? And a very good friend of mine, and he's not the only one, has a little bit of a crush on you. <laughs> and he says, he figures he's not the only one, and he wants to know... Have you ever been at a concert or anywhere else where a, a dad or mum has made an inappropriate pass at you? Um, I
1: don't, I don't think so. But I have. <laughs> not been, that you noticed.
0: Not that I noticed. But I have been at
1: shows where, um, where I've thought there's a lot of dads out there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not so much anymore, but back in the day, yeah, I would hear like you know, you'd say you you could hear the audience singing along. You, I like to sing. It.
0: Yeah, quite a few.
1: <laughs>
0: this is all right for
1: me. That's good.
0: There you go. You're not alone. I, I won't name you. That would be just embarrassing. Justine, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Such a pleasure. Feed, play, love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.